Hello and welcome to What We Don't Talk About, a podcast that runs towards the difficult conversations we all struggle to have. In it, we explore the experiences you might go through and the explanations that can help you understand them. I'm Alice Sowerby and I co-host the podcast with Kerry. I'm incurably curious about what it's like to be a human and the reasons why our experiences are the way they are. I work in tech and I've held leadership and management roles across a wide range of organisations. And I'm Kerry Newton-Sarganar, an agile professional, coach and training neuroscientist with a passion for brains, books and tea. I love a nerdy look at why we do what we do on a behavioural and neuroscientific level and then exploring how we can do better for ourselves and for the folks around us. This is our first series of four podcasts in which we explore some of the challenges of being a first-time manager. So today, Kerry, we are going to be discussing being a manager of a person who has mental health issues um, and this is this is something that I'm definitely not an expert in but I think it's really important to talk to feel confident that it's okay to talk about it when you're not an expert and know that we're all on a learning journey so I'm just going to get that one out there immediately and I, I have had experience and that, that's um, one of the things I'd like to to bring to this conversation is like what what is what is it like as an experience to be a manager kind of learning through doing in this in this sort of situation yeah absolutely and it's a really um pressing topic it's it's really topical at the moment I think there's a lot of people um, especially post-pandemic dealing with the fallout of that either through bereavement or um, isolation or stress uh, I think it's a really relevant topic right now yeah I think that's I think that's exactly right it's more relevant to more people yeah. than it ever feels like it has been in the in the past and and it's even more difficult I think if it hasn't been part of your health sort of background in the sense like if you've never had mental health issues before and you're just coming across them personally for the first time then often you know it is quite <clears throat> it's hard to even realize that what's happening yeah yeah and hard to imagine what those feel like if you've never experienced those before mm-hmm. yeah definitely so um mental the experience of managing someone with mental health issues I think um well we t- we start talking about normally like what's the conventional wisdom on this and I know we when we discussed this before the call one of the main themes is it, it, like, there isn't a lot of conventional wisdom. It's more like don't ask, don't tell. It's your problem, not our problem. And I think there's left a bit of a, a vacuum in terms of advice for managers. Mm. What's your experience on that? Yeah, I think it's one of those things that people shy away from because it seems quite scary. Um, yeah. it's, it's not an easy topic to get into into with someone. Um, mm-hmm. A manager... Um, you know it's not something that people are generally as leaders trained to deal with in their staff you know you're trained to to um, enhance performance and to get the best out of people but you're not taught what to do when people aren't capable of doing that beyond you know put them on performance uh, improvement plans and and then you know boot them out the door if it's not working Um, but in terms of actually supporting them through mental health issues and how to do that effectively I don't think that's that's talked about and when people don't know what to do you know it it becomes very uh, very threatening frightening it's it's the threat of the unknown makes it uh, more intimidating so I think people stay away from it 
Yeah, I think I think that's right. And I think I would agree with you that I've never had training in how to manage. Well, in most of the managerial skills, honestly, um, apart from sort of the very um, HR led ones, which, as you mentioned, are sort of things around performance improvement and, 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 you know, the practicalities of nuts and bolts of like managing workloads and things. But certainly mental health has, has been so far away from that sort of central, very basic level of training that, that you're given that it, it very much is like, I think for a lot of people, the first time it comes up is when it actually happens, which is, you know, when you have someone who you are managing and and they are either um, aware that they, they have a mental health issue or, or perhaps they're not even aware that they have a mental health issue. Um, and I, it's very difficult. Like it can, like for me, it's presented in in my staff in things like um and, and this is sort of yeah I, I've managed many people with mental health um issues over the years and you know it really presents with like a, what they call in the health profession um acopic behavior which is you know not being able to cope so it kind of sounds like a made-up word I guess all words are but <laughs> I, I'm assured it is used clinically but yeah, acopic behavior, which is it is like not showing up or, or just not being able to make progress or not, not being able to remember things, not being able to make track get traction on things. And um, but but there still seems to be a um a, a d- desire to um present as performing, mm-hmm. you know, to say, Oh, I've got this, no, I'm fine, and mm-hmm. and then you know, then nothing sort of moves along and it can be quite stressful. Yeah. as a manager to sort of know like how do you do you tackle that situation yeah i think um one of the issues is that uh you we 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 expect ourselves to show up in a certain way and when we're experiencing uh, mental health issues there's so much stigma attached to those mental health issues that it's almost as if if we show up and let people see those um you know, the, those issues that we're experiencing, that will change their whole perception of us as an individual. Because I think a lot of mental health issues, even if it's a response to grief or um, stress, even if it's a short-term reaction to the current yeah. situation, it, there's the threat that that then changes the way that people look at you as yeah. an individual, as a whole, as a, you know, this is who I am now. I am this damaged diseased unwell person rather than being able to view it as a short-term response to Mm. the current situation to the situation in hand and once we are or if if it's something that we can move past then once we're able to move past that then things will go back to normal normal in inverted commas but um but but it's that perception of if you're labeled with that mental health issue then that then changes who you are and that you know assigns you to the rubbish heap uh, rather than yeah. you know I don't think people easily see it as something that can be worked with um, yeah it's yeah 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 no I I definitely I, I agree with that it, you know it is it is something that um it's hard to talk about because it seems to be a weakness yeah yeah and I'm um, and yes and it's sort of like it's also it also has a sort of veil of you know um it's a personal issue you know it's up to you to resolve that and actually the the best advice 
I've ever had, which I'm not sure if who gave it to me or whether I've sort of just realized it spontaneously is that, you know, that you really any kind of illness should be treated as, uh, um, you know, a thing in its own right and not necessarily, um, you know, a facet of the, of that person. And, and it's, it's what I mean by that is, you know, you can certainly engage with mental illness in the same way that you can engage with physical illness as a manager, which is this person has something that is making their life difficult right now. Um, it might be a long-term thing, in which case it could be considered a disability. And there are there are clear guidelines from the government around that. If you, um, if you have um, if you have a mental illness, it's just as likely to be a disability if it's long-term as a, as a physical. Um, disability would be or a physical illness that that counts as a disability if it's long term um and yeah it, it's something that um you know i think the main thing is is to to sort of not to treat it as as uh as something that can't be discussed but mm. to to really sort of sort of lean into it and say you know i want to help um i want to do my I want to discharge my duties as a manager professionally with you in a supportive way. I want to use the um, provision that's made under law. I want to use the provision that's made uh, from by employers. And, you know, we have most companies have policies around how to deal with illnesses and that covers mental illnesses. So as a manager, you do have guidelines as to what kind of framework you're working within. Um, but in my experience has been that you if you engage with compassion and, you know, a, a willingness to support that person, then they don't mind talking about the people with mental illnesses or even any kind of illness. Like employees don't mind talking about it in general. Mm. Um, and and that, that seems to, to me to be like the, the one thing that I would li really like people to, to, to know is just like, you just have to make that decision to just to tackle it mm. in your role as a manager and to to tackle it as a as a um as an objective thing and, and not something that's about your relationship with that person yeah I, I think uh you know part of the, the 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 problem with the conversation is that you know people don't want to risk making things worse you know, this idea that yeah. if I start talking to this unwell person about why they're showing up to work crying each day, um, you know, they might just completely fall apart in my office. And then what do I do? Yeah. Uh, you know, I might I might push them. That conversation might be the thing that pushes them over the edge. Yeah. So I think it's 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 again, it's that, that threat of what might happen and not knowing what might happen because of not having experience of that yourself or because of having experience of that yourself and not wanting to um you know to confront that uh, in another individual um, yeah. you know both, both both situations can be equally threatening i think what's what's really interesting is the way that we you know we shy away from this conversation as an unprofessional uh, or, or a weakness based issue even though i mean the 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 statistics around the proportion of people who are dealing with some kind of mental health um, situation or who will at some point in their lives is, is staggering. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons that the conversation is, um, is becoming louder, is, is becoming more, more 
um, more common. Um, but just the sheer numbers of people that are dealing with this and the fact that this is who people are. Um, you know, I don't think there's uh, there's any other way that you would say, well, don't bring that to work. You know, if you're a person of colour, your gender, people don't say, well, don't be a woman at work because it's who you are. It's a part of your 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 being. And I think the challenge really that, that needs to be worked through is how to work with people in the state that they are rather than to try and hush it down and pretend it's not there and uh, and then wait until not surprisingly things do explode or blow out of all proportion um because yeah. one of the things that that can exacerbate mental health is uh, mental health issues yeah. is trying to pretend that they're not, they're not there absolutely um, yeah yeah um you know trying to show up so this is um this is what we call uh, emotional labor. So this is this is you know what's what's wrong with the conventional wisdom really is mm, uh, mm. The conversation about um, uh, emotional labor. So the the cost of how we're expected to show up to work. Um, you know, no matter what we do, there's a face that we're expected to bring. Something that we, you know, if if you're a project manager or if you're a developer or if you're a um, front of house in a restaurant there's a certain way that people expect you to present um, and then there's how you really feel about how, you know how you're showing up yeah and there can be a huge gap between those two things and if the two are quite closely aligned then the emotional labor cost isn't that big and you yeah. can without too much difficulty the problem comes is when there's the gap between um you know these uh, so-called display rules what we think we we ought to be feeling in a certain situation versus what we actually feel in that situation and that can lead to um emotional labor burnout um mm. which is where we're not able to show up with the way that we think we ought to be anymore mm. It's, it's too costly it's too exhausting because it is it's an exhausting thing to have to do if it doesn't match how we really feel yeah yeah and you hear people talking about bringing their whole selves to work and I think you know that's that's where that's headed really that's the intention of that which is not to have to mm. um <clears throat> you know to obviously while staying within sort of societal norms hopefully they're broad enough to allow most people to be at least some version of their self that they don't have to perform mm. in any sort of um excessive way and while you were talking it reminded me of um you know the fact that a lot of these you know that there is a difference between acute and chronic illness both in physical and in um, mental health and you know one of the things that I think <clears throat> managers find it hard to reason about is how long will this go on for when with their um reports and this is and because a lot of mental health issues are complex and um you know they they may not be as simple as you know let's say you have a broken leg everyone was used as that example you know if you have a broken leg there's there's a fairly um well understood timeline of you know how long you need your cast on and then how long whatever mm. and um you know, whilst that that might be one sort of relatively straightforward example of physical health, um, there are also like physical health, like health issues like COVID, where nobody knows how long you might have sort of post-viral fatigue or long COVID, for mm -hmm. example, and whether that's going to be permanent or or not. Um, with mental health, again, you know, some acute examples of mental health 
issues, as you've mentioned before, will be around um, uh, bereavement, for example, or um, and other kinds of trauma. Um, or, or, you know, they could be, for example, hormonal driven. We've talked about that before. Um, and yes, it, it, there isn't always a timeline for that kind of thing. People say it takes two years to get over a bereavement, for example. Or, you know, I know when I got divorced, I worked right through it. Um, I wouldn't say I was in a great shape, but I did. But I, you know, I, I know other people who have, you know, split up from you know girlfriend or boyfriend and you know you would say that's a less severe than going through a divorce but they've needed a lot more more support and and, and time off so it isn't a predictable thing mm. necessarily um and so I think that's what that's one element and, and another element is because it does involve uh it does change your cognitive abilities and your cognitive experience um it you don't have it <laughs> your ability to cope with your mental health issue is impaired by your mental health issue, yeah. you know, where there's less of, of a sort of um, compounding effect when it's a physical health issue. Yeah. Because you don't have that executive function available to you. You are yeah. in fight or flight freeze mode. You're, you're yeah. so, you know, hugely enlarged and, and off you go in that so yeah. response. And it can be really different from, from, it can be really inconsistent as well. And that's, that's hard as a yeah. manager to, yeah. to so work I just, on. I'm just going to pick up on exactly mm. that. And it, it can be really hard. And I think, you know, with a broken leg, you can put a cast on that. And the cast is the visible uh, physical reminder of that leg being broken. You can't do the same thing for emotions or emotional state. And they're mm. not, that's not visible. So I think it's a lot harder to, uh, to to support that yourself and to work within the confines of where that cast should be and not expose your things yourself to things that uh, are going to make that illness worse. If you've got a cast on your leg, it's pretty clear indicator that you're not going to be running a 10K anytime soon. Mm. But we don't exercise the same level of care with somebody who is going through a mental health crisis uh, or experiencing uh, difficulties due to stress. If it were a leg, we would put it in a cast. If it's mental health, we, we don't have the equivalent. And if we did, then perhaps we would be able to more clearly um, you know, say, well, in a few weeks of this level of care and support and love and kindness. Yeah you know the workplace equivalent of those basic empathy even yeah uh, without yeah. pressure and stress and when are you going to be back um if we had those things in place then actually people would probably be able to recover far more quickly um yeah it's the pressure of not knowing the yeah the threat again of not knowing that i think exacerbates those things and that's what then contributes to the complexity and the lack of clarity over when people will be better yeah 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 and 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 I, I think that's I think that's a great point it's it is it is invisible as well as being somewhat un unpredictable and everyone has their own um you know path through it and sometimes a sometimes it's a a very long-standing thing and and it can't be recovered from or, or you know in um you know in a meaningful way so to speak mm -hmm. um and I want to make that sound like that there's nothing that can be done to support or treat or help people because there is but some things are um ongoing 
issues that that can, that just have to be managed and and I think like this would be a good moment for us to talk um take the next step into the conversation which is really about what advice would we give to people who are managing people who have mental health issues yeah I think it comes down to making the same sort of adjustments for mental health that you would do for physical health so in the case of a short-term crisis then providing the level of care and support and reducing the demand and expectation as you would if they had broken a bone or were going in for surgery or you know, any of the physical ailments mm -hmm. depending on the severity and you know you can get pretty good information from, uh, from if they're telling you that they need the time off and they've got uh, you know, medical uh, a doctor's note or what have you to support that and that gives you an indication of the severity of it and actually giving that time without expectation and treating it exactly as you would and if it is that longer term um, health condition um, working with the person to to put systems in place to help them still do their job within reason yeah 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 that I think that's right there's 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 things you can do and there's things you can't do um and I think that sort of really goes for every everything that you have to do as a manager with other people because you know you have a role um and your role has limits but um I think you know if as a manager if you have somebody who presents with an issue a mental health issue um particularly if it's sort of day day one of of sort of recognition and acknowledgement that something's happened or something is happening has been happening um you know like the, the first thing is of course to speak with them if you can reassure them listen mm -hmm. to what they listen and make them know that they, that you have listened so you know um check with them your understanding you know I'm I'm what I think what you've told me is such and such and um you know ask them you know what care they're currently getting because as a as a manager you're not their healthcare professional yeah. and it's really important to be aware of that and to be okay with that because you know you can give them support in within a domain of work you can't give them medical and healthcare support so you have to ask those questions are you getting treatment have you seen a doctor when did you last see the doctor what did they say I, you know, and encourage them to go and get an appointment, particularly if they're really feeling overwhelmed, they might not be able to um, realise that that's what they need to do. So it's, it's I think it's really helpful to, to, to say, you know, go, go get an appointment with your GP and, and if they, you know, stay in touch with them just through that handhold that process because GPs can be difficult to get hold of. They can pick, give an appointment for, four, you know, 14 days away or something and, mm -hmm. It, at that point where you're feeling overwhelmed it can be easy to just say I couldn't get an appointment mm -hmm. you know and for that to be the end of that um or you so you know help support that person to admit or at least declare to the doctor this is an emergency and I need to get seen mm -hmm. um or it, you know it's not an emergency but it's urgent mm -hmm. um if whatever words sort of help in that situation yeah I want to pick up on something you said about um, you know referring them to the GP and not trying to deal with this yourself because I think mm. uh, you know that's that's one of the things that's um, coming out of so a lot of companies now are bringing in mental health first aiders which is a wonderful yeah. first step and to train yeah. 
people into how to have those conversations with people, yeah. how to show empathy effectively. Um, yeah. And it's almost something that any leader needs to be trained in yeah. first aid because of the n- numbers of people that they're likely to be um, like likely to be yeah. leading the course of their um, their career. I think the important point there is to understand the boundaries, the things that you're not responsible for you know you mm. can listen to somebody but you're not um you know you're not responsible for their choices you're not um you're not responsible for fixing them I think that's a, a yeah. key point and that takes away a lot of the threat of having that conversation when you understand that you can listen to somebody and you can hear you know hear their their, their mm. problems without being responsible for fixing them without having to provide a solution because you know no manager unless they're a trained psychotherapist or a psychiatrist with years of experience in that particular field um would necessarily have solutions um and a lot of the time the solutions have to come from the individual to be effective anyway but understanding that that boundary is there um without giving yourself a hard time for not being able to absolutely yeah and it yeah and that helps you to to narrow your focus to the things that you can do um you know and and because you we don't all have endless bandwidth and you know you as a manager may have multiple people and um, potentially multiple people with mental health issues um and you know you have to you know if you you've got to put your own mask on first as they say in 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 the uh, on plane roads so it 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 definitely helps to know where those boundaries are and just to follow up on on going to get medical um support i think Um, The other thing that you need to ask your um, uh, employee to do is to get that fit note. And they used to call them sick notes and now call them fit notes in the UK. Um, And have, you know, when they go to see their doctor, they need to say to the doctor, I need you to write a fit note. And on the fit note, it needs to tell my employer what I need. And that'll say, you know, two weeks off um, and then a follow up appointment or it might say I need reduced um responsibilities or it, or it might it might even advise like what specific adjustments are needed um, and that's really really helpful because then as the employer you are getting advice from that healthcare professional via that note and it will tell you, you know what you need to do and it will also direct you know when they need to go back to see that doctor or whether they're going to get referred etc um a lot of employers have healthcare cover and that you will get therapy covered under that you a lot of employers provide um helplines that you can call uh, and it's always worth as a manager checking out the policy i've done this just check it out on behalf of the employee there won't necessarily be in a place where they can do that themselves Mm. you know they won't have a capacity so go check out Mm. what does the insurance say what does you know what does what is hr provided in terms of coverage for helplines and you can call a helpline too you know it's there for all the employees and if you just need to say like this is stressing me out or like I don't know what I'm doing or whatever um you know you can do that too and you will have a manager who can support you going through this, the process mm-hmm. so that's a, I think all of those things are important so go ahead <laughs> I was gonna say that's a really important <clears throat> point actually because one of the things that I don't think a lot of people are aware of is um the the impact of co-regulation 
So one of the curious things that our brains and our bodies do is we respond to the person that's in front of us. So um, sometimes you'll hear people talk about mirror neurons. So this is where if I smile a broad smile at you, you're you're very likely to <laughs> you can't control yourself. You you are likely to um, to mirror that back to me. And it's the same with somebody who's experiencing emotional difficulties. We um, you know our heart rates align. The more um, close we feel to each other if we're in the same room with each other less uh, likely to be happening over zoom of course but um, you know our heart rates our breathing rates will align our um, emotional states will align and this is a um, an automatic empathetic response that we don't have direct control over so if somebody is coming to you with severe mental health issues it's perfectly normal for you to feel some level of distress in response to that and depending on how much it exposure you have to that situation and how closely linked you are to that individual how close the relationship is how much support you feel obliged to give them that could well impact on your own mental health so I think it's really important for people to be um, quite aware of the impact that that could have on themselves and to take care of themselves as well yeah yeah always be fitting your own gas mask first because you can't support other people if uh, you know if you're, you're gasping for air absolutely absolutely um, we are going to be running out of time soon. <laughs> um, that there are a couple of things more that I'd really like to touch on. Um, are there is there anything else that that we haven't covered that you wanted to? Um, I think the only thing that I wanted to say is. Um, always putting this in the perspective of operating a functioning business. We all understand that the business has to. You know, it has to stay afloat in order for any of us to have jobs so it's all well and good putting things in place but um, if that's going to sink the business then that's not helpful either but I think the hidden costs of not dealing with these things um, in terms of attrition um, and the, the impact of uh, psychological well-being at work um, you know it reduces stress-related absence if people have mental well-being or better mental well-being it reduces turnover you can enhance productivity and performance so actually there's a there's a very clear um, and, and researched and scientifically backed financial link between helping employees find well-being or supporting them through their mental illness to get back to a state of well-being and you know, matching up that, that state between um, uh, emotional labour and uh, display rules, matching what we feel with what we think we ought to feel. There's, there's clear financial benefits. <laughs> yeah, Definitely yeah. employers' uh, uh, interest to be doing that. Yeah, right. So, I mean, it, it. I think it's a really great point because it can be sort of seen as sort of like charity and, oh, you know, we're sort of we're put, putting up with, you know, I suppose we we didn't know they had mental health issues. Or we didn't expect it. But now they do, you know, sort of committed to it wouldn't be right to let them go. And, you know, it's all it's all that sort of like, mm, you know, is it is it is it just a net burden? And I think people with mental health issues rightly sense that they they can get that feeling from people sometimes um that's co-regulation <laughs> right <laughs> of course um and and you know that is that is a perception that's out there and and, and it's a real one um and I think you're right to, to say like we need to continually reiterate the narratives which are you know like if we can't look after people um, however they are, however they're showing up, if we can't make those reasonable adjustments, which are mandated by law, actually. So if you do have 
um, a long-term mental health issue, for example, that is officially a disability. So, I mean, that's a, that's legally protected. Um, but if we can't, if we're doing that, if, if we can't look after people, then everybody suffers. You know, I think that's what, what what your point is really, which is like we can't just we can't just look at people who have acute or or, or chronic or, or um, visible uh, or presenting mental health issues and say like, oh, you know, separate them out from everyone else and say these people have a problem, therefore they are a problem. Mm. Actually, you know, we all have issues from time to time. We all go through grief and bereavement. We all go through hormonal changes potentially we all um can have periods of time where we we just need that support to be baked into our um work environment and trying to sort of say we can have people without mental health issues is as as in we can run a, a business that has people in it without running a business that has mental health issues in it is it's a fantasy that cannot cannot exist and the will to try and pretend that that can be done creates way more problems than it solves um and I think we're we are starting to sort of recognize that and one of the things that I do hope we have time for and I think we've probably got probably a minute or two over is there are still areas of taboo um and a lot of that uh, I think the way you described it really well is is the things that people do to self-medicate or self-soothe. Yes. Um, so this can be alcoholism. It can be dependency on drugs. It can be um, eating disorders. It can be gambling. Um, it can be self-harming. And, th- you know, you try going to someone and telling them that you're an alcoholic, you, you know, or that you're self-harming. That is, I mean, I imagine I haven't had to do this like significantly harder than saying I have depression or, or I have anxiety. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think because it marks you out um as somebody who is definitely not coping. And there's risk attached to that. Mm. Um, you know, there's the risk of of losing your job. There's all the stigma that's attached to it. Um, yeah. yeah. Bring that up with a manager is uh yeah, not not an enviable uh, an unenviable position to be. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think these are going to be the next areas of, of um, you know, work that, that we have to do in, in, in the world of work, in the world of the workplace, mm. which is to, to, you know, not only to talk about mental health and have a um, um, literacy around doing that, but also to talk around some of the things that are still still taboo the things that are taboo have to become not taboo mm, yeah the, the things that come with the mental health issue yeah yeah, yeah so much to talk about we didn't talk about the uh, special differences in in gender relations we didn't talk about neurodiversity I mean yeah there's a lot that we didn't talk about <laughs> but, um, have a huge subject know, Alice. <laughs> apparently it's a huge subject <laughs> mental health in 20 minutes <laughs> yeah 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 I think we've gone over I didn't set my timer never mind all right well thanks Kerry that was great I'd love to unpack a few more of these things it feels like a really um important topic yeah yeah there we go series two yeah <laughs> next time <laughs> thanks for listening to this week's episode to find out more about the podcast or to send us questions you can visit our webpage at www.dta.co.uk you can also get in touch by email at hello at www.dta.co.uk or on our LinkedIn page. 
Links for all these places are in the show notes. And if you liked this podcast, please give us a five-star review and subscribe. See you next time. Bye.